Every man has a dream. Every man has a fantasy. Every man has an image of the perfect woman. When are you going to get it? What are you talking about? It never occurred to you that picking guests solely on their looks may not be the best way to go about it. But one podcast is about to get a whole new perspective. MLL Rick, and I'm going to do you a great favor. Really? From this moment on, whenever you meet someone in the future, you're only going to see the inner beauty. What are you doing? I am rescuing you. From what? From what? Hey kids, it's your old pal ML Elric and Sean, may I say that you look very professional today. In your hoodie. Right, it's sort of your your uniform. Yeah, the show's uniform. I think it's a response to last week. He's oogling you again. That's okay. No, no, I'm 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 merely making an observation that I think is non-offensive and accurate. You look like you're ready to do some podcasting. I saw Mike, Mark, yes, last week uh, in the in the newsroom at the Detroit Free Press newsroom, and he had a skinny tie on and looked uh, quite well. Yeah, it's the '80s. Quite stylish. Yeah. A retro Stuck look. in the 80s. Probably a one and a half inch wide tie, I would say. I love the perplexed look on his face. Yeah, it's super skinny. This is exactly where he thought he was going to start today. Yeah, it's called a rooster, but I, I don't really know where you get off commenting on that because I guess I'm <laughs> I'm tempted to take it as a compliment, but I'm cringing on the inside. I said it was stylish, and I know you. You're, you're not a random, you know, cashier at Kroger. You know what's in my heart? You not know. always. Do you have a heart? So that's hurtful, too. And that is on the inside. There's, there's no doubt about that. So if you are wondering where all this uh, unsolicited comedy is coming from, last week, Sean basically said, unless you're going to tell a woman, hello, you shouldn't speak to them. Um, and uh, Yeah, that's what I said. This, I'm synopsizing. <laughs> and so we had a Twitter poll to see whether Sean is right, that you should not say something complimentary to a woman if if her hair looks nice. If or you don't know her, did you clarify that? No, did you of course say a not. stranger? No. You didn't? No, we, we told people to listen to the show and then vote so they could get the full discussion. We don't try and distill it down to a few syllables like you do. We understand that this is an audience that likes to take things in depth. That they're complex. That would have been they're complex next level to, put, thinkers. to put in the poll question. Do you, do you compliment a, a woman who's a stranger to you? Or a man. Compliment anybody. If you compliment anyone on yeah. their appearances, Sean thinks you should right. only the do power that. dynamic's not quite the same, but yes. Do if, you if do you, you know them and I think the position that Mark and I took was if you say something nice and fairly inoffensive, fairly innocuous, like great shoes, would that offend somebody? So we took a Twitter poll to try and see, and you can still vote on that. I think that the voting closes any minute now, but by an overwhelming margin of 73.9 to 26.1%, you ruled that Sean is wrong. All 
23 of you. I just so want you to know, not because, an overwhelming because sample. Because you didn't put Stranger in there, did you? What did what did our photo editor say when we had the very conversation with her in the newsroom last Oh, week? I'd like to hear this. I complimented her on her shawl, and she and, appreciated it. And what did uh, and when she was asked if she were the same compliment came her way from a stranger out in public, what did she say? She said, Sean's a dick. No, she said she Boy, wouldn't want that, it. Sean, she I said, she said, you probably shouldn't do it, Mike. I think you're missing That's the most. That's not what she said, actually. The most important That's not part. at all what she That's said. exactly what she said. The most no, important part of oh, that are, exercise there. Are we broadcasting there. from Chicago again? What? Sean, Sean has this tendency to say things that he's absolutely certain of when you review the tape that he's wrong about. We Maybe did she didn't say probably. Maybe she didn't qualify it at all. We didn't record that. Sean, you're time. missing the point of his uh, Twitter exercise is just that he would just wanted you to be wrong. Oh, I see. It didn't matter okay. what the poll was about. No, okay. no, no, no. I don't need the populace, the hoi polloi, to tell us that Sean's wrong. It's, <laughs> it speaks for itself. It stands out right. like, a, like a thumb that's been struck by a ball. All right, let's run a poll and, and, and include the word stranger in there. Or so, just just run a poll that says, is Sean wrong? Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's fine, too. Well, if, I, that's, if that's, that's what you need too. to do. If that's I was, what you need to do to prove yourself gonna, right. I was going to do that, but I, I didn't want it to be 100 to 0, so I gave him a shot. And, <laughs> and, and 26.1% of the populace says Sean is right. So that's it's a that's good. That's one in four people. So basically 26% of the people polled think you shouldn't give a, a, a woman a compliment if you know her. No, that's no. interesting. No, no. 26. No, because that was the question. 26.1% of the people. So that should tell you something right there, that a quarter of the people out there don't even want you to say anything if you know them. 26.1% of the but people you, don't think you should compliment anybody. You should basically be a uh, a cold, um, inert object. No, just ask them how their work day was or whatever. And they'll say it was okay, or but nobody the, complimented me on my nice or how new dress. How they're feeling, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, we don't really or, need to. Or get, did they get their car fixed or whatever? We don't really need to dive into that. I just wanted to, as 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 clearly and as early as I could, uh, establish that Sean was completely wrong. So uh, <laughs> exactly that box being checked. Let's talk about somebody who's right, and that is our colleague Lindsey Green, who has been named a finalist in criticism. For the Pulitzer Prize, which is a significant accomplishment. The winner for criticism was Sean Windsor. Not for a Pulitzer Prize, but he's the top criticizer. But Lindsay no, won. He's not biting. He won't bite on no, it. No, he's, uh, he's uh, chewing his, uh, his enmity. But no, Lindsay is uh, someone who's been a frequent guest on the Carlos and Sean sports podcast, which is interesting but she is our restaurant and food critics and also has a lot of big insights on issues that go way beyond what shows up on your plate and the pulitzer prize judges have named her a finalist which is means that she is one of the top three journalists writing in that particular category so that's a big deal and we uh we want to salute Lindsay. apparently sean doesn't because he's not saying anything no, I was just going to say that I, I would quibble with one one thing. She, it's it's not that it goes way beyond what's on the plate. It's she's writing about why what's on the plate is on the plate, and then and then the space you're enjoying or trying to enjoy what's on the plate and what that feels like for various folks. I mean, to me, that's what makes her so distinctive. I think I kind of said that <laughs> with fewer words, but yes, yes, what a, Sean. What a role reversal that was. So, that's still food. I mean, right. 
Well, no, but she's also yes, talking yes. about how the restaurant revival isn't isn't being enjoyed by all Detroiters. Exactly. How when you have exactly. a majority black city, when you go to these she-she restaurants, that they're almost majority, well, they're certainly majority white. The only white guy you won't see him is me because I don't believe in paying a lot of money for a little tiny piece of food that has a, like a twig in it that looks like an umbrella. But Sean knows all about that because he, he used to pass off some Gordon Food Service hash while he was working at a diner in Ann Arbor. No, we made it from scratch. By the way, the, the, you reference in the umbrella. He is stuck in the 80s, right, Mark? Yeah. That's the only thing he could think of was an umbrella that you get in a, a cocktail drink, right, mm -hmm. at, a, at a douchey bar on, on the beach somewhere. Why is that a douchey bar? I mean... Well, it doesn't have to be, but you know, it's kind of nice. I'm right just now. thinking about where he. I feel like been. there's an odd tension between you two. I'm just uh, thinking today. about where he might have been. Why is there an odd tension? He has a little you skinny tie. Why are you guys having bad days today? Why can't you just say that it's a beach that had a good day at work? <laughs> you would have been the bar back in cocktail, right? Could you, could you could you just say it was a bar that that seemed to have a, a fine character? Uh, you're the Welcoming guy. To all, are you the guy laying on the bar with his mouth wide open and coyote ugly? Is that you? I didn't see that movie because I don't like the way it objectifies people, Sean. Oh, I figured you were part of it. It's also made in the, what, the 90s? Yeah, that's not far back enough for it. It's pretty new. But uh, we also have a special guest who is now, too, man. now trying to disconnect as, as quickly as possible. That's Dave Boucher of the Detroit Free Press, who, along with Dan Afana, wrote a fantastic piece that was on the front page of the Detroit Free Press a week or so ago, an investigation into the people that the city of Detroit entrusts to make sure that our elected officials are properly compensated. It's an important role. It's not unusual for, uh, for governments to have a compensation commission that will do a study and determine whether elected officials deserve a raise or not, mainly because elected officials always figure they deserve a raise, but if they vote for it, they figure they'll get in trouble. So what they try and do is they put together some, basically a beard to say, just run around and look at some stuff and then, then give us some more money. In Detroit, it's a little worse than in most places because it turns out, as Dave and Dana discovered, the people who are giving city council members raises are friends, associates, colleagues, clients, and sometimes they even have contracts that the city council is asked to approve. So that is a pretty remarkable piece of reporting, and Dave's going to join us in just a minute to talk about that. Great stuff. Before we go, we'll also talk a little bit about my latest column on lawmakers who are uh, caught up in bribes and whether there's going to be other people in trouble. We're going to tell you how to save a lot of money on concert tickets today. If you use the code that I provide, you can get concert tickets for $25, some pretty big acts too. So stick around for that. And, uh, and we're going to ask you whether you would pay to watch this show because we're thinking about going Patreon. So a lot to talk about today. But it's all brought to you by Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, who will help you prepare for your retirement and invest wisely and kind of, you know, put aside all the angst that you may be feeling when you look at the stock market. And David Hall of Hall Financial will help you buy a new home, refinance your home, take money out of your home to use on things that you need done, maybe some improvements, maybe some fun stuff. And speaking of fun stuff, we'll tell you about what's going on at the Cadu Cafe, the Pride of the East Side, where there's live music, great food every night of the week, and one of the only places in America where you can go feather bowling. If you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook, we appreciate it. Carmen is checking us out on YouTube, so Carmen, always good to see you down there. And uh, 
on Facebook, or I should say, or on YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, please wait and let us know what you're thinking about the show. Uh, Mark, how are you feeling today? Me? I'm great. I'm always great. You know that. You're wonderful. You seem... Why? You seem like you're having a good day. That's all I feel comfortable no, telling you. No, I feel you. like you two aren't, though. That's, that's what the... I do have a question oh, for oh, Dave, here we go. <laughs> here we go. That's what I'm... That's what I, was uh, I do have a question for Dave. When, I do have a when, question. When he finally joined us, I would like to know, first of all, if Dave was in the staff meeting last week where we found out who our new <laughs> editor was and then if he'd been in, and if he's been in other staff meetings and then if he thinks he'll ever be at a staff meeting where Mike won't get up in grandstand. No, I mean, would, would that be a staff meeting without that? <laughs> no, of course not. That's uh, it's it, everyone needs to, to stop and, and see what, what ML has to say uh, about anything. So as you the, know, uh, we, we could have had Dana on the show, <laughs> <laughs> but we went with Dave. So that was uh, it's, it's always good to get your feedback, ML. You know, that's important. So, so yes, I was there for that. And I appreciated his uh, his ringing endorsement of our new leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh, what what Sean is alluding to without actually saying anything Oh, yeah, is, now you're going to give us useful. a speech. Go ahead. Well, no, you could have broken this news. You are in the news business. At least the news business provides you a, a steady stream of income. Detroit Free Press made history last week when Nicole Avery Nichols was named the editor of the Detroit Free Press. Now, the Free Press has been around 192 years. We just celebrated our birthday last week. Thank you for subscribing. We really appreciate that. It's a very kind gift and quite a bargain at 33 cents a month. But Nicole Avery Nichols, who I've known for 20 years, which I happened to mention during this staff meeting, is, uh, is the first black woman to be named editor of the Free Press. It's long overdue. She's an excellent leader, and she is someone who is going to take the Free Press to another level. Now, we've had some pretty good interim leadership, but Nicole is someone who is, I mean, there's almost nothing she can't do. She's passionate. She's hardworking. She's focused, and she has the kind of leadership qualities that few executives have where she plans and then executes the plan and motivates people to execute the plan. So what Sean is referring to is we were invited after Nicole was announced as our, as our editor. To ask questions. If anybody had anything to say or ask questions. Sean's question was, uh, uh, where's the bathroom? I, I didn't get to <laughs> pee earlier today. And when is this going to be over? And then he said something like, where's Mark with his sexy legs? And most people <laughs> were like, Sean, please don't say just anything. Just ask me how my day was. Please, please don't say anything. And I just shared an anecdote about how long I'd known Nicole, how I met Nicole, and how my the first impression she made on me was she knows what she's doing and she can make people do it and how I really felt like that was good news for the free press. And I offered people a little advice based on my experience working with Nicole, which is she knows what she's doing. And if she asks you to do something, you should probably do it because it probably is the right thing to do. And then Sean turned around and said, uh, everybody here looks real sexy. And then they adjourned the meeting. Probably. Well, I think that, I think that when you gave that anecdote, you also prefaced it by saying that you had no idea what you were doing. And then Nicole helped you figure out what to do. So, you know, I think that was a key component of that story. Well, and, and the other part of the story I, like I told how Dave is, edited it down too, yeah, by the way. Yeah. No, this is why Dave is a professional. <laughs> I also happened to mention that I had left the, uh, managing editor of the New York Times at an airport. So I may have I may have devalued any endorsement <laughs> I made just by exposing my own poor judgment. But that in no way diminishes Nicole's ability to execute her plan, which she did to the to the uh to the to the granular level. She's fantastic. So looking forward to 
working with her. But now let's get let's get to Dave because uh, he's sick of all this stuff with Sean. It's always about Sean. 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 He's like the he's like the Jan Brady of this podcast. In the middle, unloved. <laughs> Why are you so silent now? Sean's, I'm just gonna let him keep uh, keep going. Right. Let's get to Dave's article. It's Sean's fascinating. Out. So, so Dave, um, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, is it, do we, would you call it the elected officials compensation? What, what's the title of this austere group that's just handing out tax dollars like it's Easter? Yep. You're right. The Detroit elected officials compensation commission. It's a mouthful. And, and who are these folks and what is their, what is their duty? Yep. So under state law and city code, it's a seven member commission. The only parameters and requirements for being on this commission is that you're a voter of the city and that you don't essentially work for any level of government. And it's their job, as you mentioned earlier, to review uh, information, be it you know salaries in other cities or inflation or whatever other financial information that that others deem relevant for this, this consideration of pay, and then use that to evaluate whether or not they should change the pay for the mayor, the city clerk, and the city council. Historically in Detroit, this has led to pay raises while, you know, the law allows the, the commission to recommend uh, pay cuts. And that has happened traditionally. And most of the time, this leads to pay raises. This commission presents this report and then city council needs to adopt it in order for raises to, to be initiated. That's or essentially reject it for raises not to be initiated. Uh, essentially, every time this commission comes out with the raise, that's what happens. Like they're the entity that creates these raises. The, the key component of this story is that these people, everybody on this commission, uh, is appointed by the mayor. Now, again, after taking, keep in mind, the only parameters for being on this commission are being a Detroiter and not working for government, essentially. But uh, Dana and I found that of the, the commission, there's currently six members, that there are five members with really obvious connections to either Mayor Duggan, to city council, or to city business. As you mentioned, one member on the commission helps run a small media company. And after she was appointed to this commission, the media company got a six-figure contract with the city. We confirmed through documentation and the company that this individual is doing work for the city as part of that contract. And uh, roughly you know, four or five months after their company got this contract, she voted for pay raises for the city council. Uh, another member until very recently ran a nonprofit that worked with the city, city departments and the mayor's office to, to kind of coordinate uh, allocating funds for economic development uh, pro uh, projects in the Live Six area. Um, other members of the another member of the commission, the leader of the commission, to this day on her website says she's a lawyer. Says she's actively involved in representing Mayor Duggan and city uh, members of city council in in legal related matters. She says that that's related to the mayor's uh, reelection campaign and uh, and other people. But you know, we found court records showing that she re uh, uh, represented a sitting council member. Uh, while she was the, the lead of this commission. Um, another member is, is Ike McKinnon, a longtime Detroiter who was the chief of police for Detroit, but was also Mayor Duggan's deputy mayor for a while and then was appointed to this commission. And then another member um, is also a board member of the Michigan Gaming Control Board, which is the, you know, that's another entity that seems odd, but it actually regulates all the casinos in Detroit. So it's a, it's a very powerful entity that starting next year will get paid uh, for every meeting that they attend, which, you know, uh, we had an expert contend could make that person an employee of the government. So and, and these were not, um, you know, we didn't need to dive deep to find these connections. This was essentially Googling the people on this commission and looking up who they were. And these ties came up in, in some cases almost immediately. So it, it just speaks to um, 
people who are on this entity and the people who are getting to decide whether or not the mayor and council deserve a pay raise. What's amazing is it doesn't really seem like they're hiding it and they don't have to hide it because this is all technically legal and above board, correct? Yeah. So there's, there's questions about whether or not some of these people are eligible to serve. Again, it appears that everybody is a Detroiter, but there's questions about whether or not serving on a, on this like Michigan Gaming Control Board makes that person an Ineligible. employee or member hmm. of state government. And and again, the, the 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 member who has a contract with the city, there's an argument to be made that that might make her a member of city government. Now, you know, I think that the, the counter argument that is, well, maybe they're a contractor and a contractor isn't an employee, but state law and city code say that you can't be a member of city government or a member of the legislative branch. And so that's, that's a little bit vaguer and at least raises a question. And so it, it piqued our interest. And uh, eventually Conrad Mallet, the Detroit Corporation Council agreed that at the very least there are questions about how this appears to the public. So even before we published our story as journalists do, we took our findings to the city and said, what's going on? And uh, Conrad Mallet said, uh, we acknowledge that there, there could be some improvements and, they said that the mayor's office has pledged to initiate an entirely new ethics review system where um, not only uh, um, applicants and nominees for these positions, but any sitting member of any board that is appointed by their office needs to file some sort of paperwork every year, essentially acknowledging that there's no conflict. They are engaging in something that would that could potentially be an issue. So um, it's always good in our business when you, when you get some sort of, of uh, impact pre-publication. And that, again, to us, indicates that the mayor's office at least acknowledges to some degree that this doesn't look as good as, as it should. So this isn't this isn't something that just occurred to Dave and Dana. I, back when I was at Fox 2, I report on the last raises because Buzz Thomas was the head of the commission, happened to be a consultant who helped get Mayor Duggan elected, happened to be someone who works with a lot of politicians and elected officials in Detroit. We raised this issue a long time ago. Nothing happened. Roy McAllister, who was on city council until the last election, asked some questions in a public forum about, is this appropriate? Should we be having these people deciding on our raises? Ask the Board of Ethics to weigh in on it. Can we check their backgrounds? And, and Dave, what did the Board of Ethics say, and, and what did you make of their response? Yeah, so as you said, at the time, Roy McAllister was the head of this, the city council entity that vets all mayoral appointees. And so he pointed out that some of these people that were appointed have very obvious, at least friendly connections with members of council, if not business connections. So we wrote a letter to the Board of Ethics saying, like, in the case of two specific people, you know, are there any concerns? Can you just look into their background? And the, the chair of the Board of Ethics wrote back and said, essentially, we're not the FBI. We don't do background checks. And so <laughs> it was it was one of those where, you know, it looked like the city council member was trying to do the right thing and went to the board of ethics and the board of ethics kind of put up their hands and said, you know, essentially come to us after the fact, after you think there's a, there's an issue. Uh, at which point it looks like those appointments kind of languished. Then Roy McAllister lost his reelection. And then at least one of those people that he specifically named was appointed to the commission. And then months later got the contract with the city. And so it was essentially, you know, the kind of issue that Mr. McAllister potentially raised as, you know, a possibility that could happen. Uh, so it speaks to this idea that there's not a lot of potentially proactive um, action ahead of something that might be unethical. Instead, it's sort of reactive. And, and and to be clear, you know, we still haven't seen anything change, right? We wrote this story. Nobody left the commission. Nobody said what they were doing was, was inappropriate, even if the mayor's office said they were going to institute some sort of 
changed ethical um, paperwork, and we haven't seen what that policy is actually going to look like. Did you find that out too, Mike, when you did this first with Fox? I didn't find out as much as Dave and Dana did. They went way deeper, and they found how widespread this is. Okay, that's better. What I'm saying Sean and, and thank you for thank you for noticing it is that this is a problem that's been around for a long time and no one has done anything about it when an actual elected official who stood to benefit from this raised his hand and said wait a minute folks what are we doing the city's ethics board blew it off yeah. just said listen we can't do that now there's a difference between doing an FBI level background check that you might do to give somebody top secret security clearance and just saying Yo, can I see your resume? Or, hey, dude, do you have any contracts with the city of Detroit? And where Dave and Dana really dug in on this is to show that that these folks on the ethics committee, they're not really interested in working that hard to protect the city and to make sure that we don't have ethical issues because ethical issues undermine people's confidence in their government. And, and I'll tell you about the ethics commission. It's often filled with people who are wait for it, friends, political supporters, colleagues, business associates of the elected officials who they are supposed to sit over and determine whether or not they are acting ethically, which may be one reason why people like Gabe Leland get indicted for taking bribes, or maybe they give contracts to their girlfriend and the ethics commission doesn't say bupkis. And Dave and Dana have shown that we have what I would call a cozy culture in City Hall where people have something to gain by currying favor with elected officials are in charge of giving elected officials more money, but, which okay. is something elected officials really like. You know, I, this, this is where it gets tricky to me. You talk about Ike McKinnon, right? He's former deputy mayor, um, chief of police, you know, He's tied in. He's going to know these people. And there's a difference between, yeah, there's a connection. They know each other because they all kind of move in the same circles. It's the contracts that really kind of, you know, raise my eyebrows to, to the point of like, okay, how much money is being handed out? And Dave, you wrote that um, there was a six-figure contract for a media consulting um, for the city council from this commissioner do you know, was that, is that something that gets bid out? Were there other people trying to get that contract or was it just this one that looks like a kickback? No, there were other people that were bidding out for this. This is a, um, it's, it's, it's a essentially PR it's related to some of the, um, marijuana businesses and, and, uh, what is, what is like the changing environment of marijuana business in Detroit. And it was bid out. Uh, it's the, the company that got it. It's named Ignition Media. It's led by Dennis Archer Jr. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that, while of course he is not on the commission, that is another, you know, someone who is well connected in Detroit and, and Michigan politics, but no, it, it went through a, went through a bidding process. I think the question that we had and that we raised and that, um, again, Conrad Mallett, the, the essentially Mayor Duggan's attorney acknowledged was valid is that once somebody is on a commission, there's nothing right now to prevent them from participating in a bidding process. Yeah. There's not an ethical review about even whether or not that's okay, whether or not you know, they need to get a go ahead, whether or not they need to recuse themselves, there's nothing like that. And, and to your point about, about Chief McKinnon, you know, it's not, nobody's necessarily saying that he broke the law or anything. But again, there are what, 650,000 people in Detroit, and almost none of them work for the city or for the state or for the county. 
and to find five people that, that are on this yeah. commission that have some connections is at the very least, you know, it piqued our interest. Yeah, it's not a good you look. Can make the argument that it's hard to find people to serve on volunteer commissions, but it's really hard if you like don't post the jobs. And if you don't ask other people who aren't your friends or people that you know to serve on these commissions, and, and this might not be an apples to apples comparison, but there are lots of state boards and commissions, uh, again, at the state level, and these are posted on the internet. You know, anybody can apply to it. Obviously, that doesn't mean that they're going to be picked, but we asked all of these members, like, why would they want to serve? Why do you want to, to, to be on this seemingly random commission? And Ike McKinnon told us that a longtime staffer from Mayor Duggan called him and asked him to be on. Oh, wow. You know, that longtime staffer isn't calling you or me or somebody else. They're calling somebody that they might know, right? And that's part of this. That speaks to, I think, what ML deemed the cozy the, culture. Those other, bo- those other boards you talked about, are those appointed boards? Are they, how, how are they yeah, chosen? Yeah, there's. Yep. So, for example, there's a state elected officials compensation commission. It's essentially the exact same thing as the the, the city council position. So there are, there are state boards where they are appointed by the governor. You know, on some of these boards, the the head of the senate might be able to weigh in, or the head of the house might be able to weigh in. And some of them are paid, and some of them are not. So again, some of this might not be apples to apples. But in a lot of these entities, these people are appointed. They're uh, you know, there's at least a, a modicum of of uh, in the case of the house and the senate, some sort of review process. And there are times where there have been appointees who have been rejected and, you know, people cry politics, but there's at least some sort of review process that that is involved there. I, I think it's really speaking of state lawmakers, it's really important to note too some of the context here. Even before these pay raises that were approved, Detroit City Council members are making more money than state senators and state representatives. Uh, Mayor Mike Duggan is making more money than the governor and both Michigan U.S. senators. That's amazing. By the time these new pay raises take effect. The, the mayor will make almost as much money as the mayor of Chicago. So the mayor of Chicago, <laughs> uh, if that person didn't make any more money, uh, didn't have any sort of pay raises, the, the mayor Duggan in, in three years would make more than that. The city council in Chicago just approved pay raises for Chicago. So, so that's the sort of context here. It's not like it's, it's close either, but by, by the time these pay raises kick in, uh, uh, finalize anyway, mayor Duggan's making about $65,000 more than governor Whitmer. So it's not like these are, are, you know, just on the margins, sort of, wow. sort of. Change. Why would he ever want to run for governor then? Just yeah. stay mayor and have all your power and money. So, Dave, the uh, the amount of money that city council members make and and the city clerk. So, I, I said earlier that that these elected officials want to make more money. That that's not my opinion. As as long ago as when I reported on this at Fox, and I don't know if things have changed, but our city clerk Janice Winfrey. Yeah. was saying she wanted to be paid what the mayor was paid. I mean, she wanted essentially to almost double her salary. Elected officials have gone on the record and have been on the record for some time saying, we think we're undercompensated. Now, I don't think Mayor Duggan has said that, and I can't refer to any particular city council members who have said, give me more. But they didn't reject these raises, and these raises are substantial. Dave, can you tell us what the pay is for city council members and where they're going to end up after these these uh, raises kick in? Yes. So at the at the start of this, before the raises took effect, city council members were making a little bit more than eighty nine thousand dollars a year. And so what the raises did is that it, it provided an immediate seven percent bump. And then at the start of every new financial year in July for the next three years, everybody gets an additional three point five percent raise. So if you do the math and you go through it, by the end of it, city council members and city clerk Dennis Winfrey will make a little bit more than $106,000 a year. Wow. Uh, for context, that's about $6,000 less 
than the attorney general of Michigan receives and the secretary of state receives. And I, so, I believe state lawmakers make about 79 grand a year, something like that. 72, 72, 72. grand. Yep. So, so keep in mind state lawmakers, which is also a full-time job. I, I hear this a lot and I'm sure everybody here does too. That city council works full-time and they're working around the clock. Right. Um, you know, I, I covered state legislatures here and everywhere else. State lawmakers say the exact same thing. And they're, they're making, you know, $30,000 less than the city council. So that's the context. Yeah. A, a couple of things to consider, too, with these elected officials. Uh, the state legislature and the Detroit uh, city council. You want to talk about recesses? These guys have so much recess, you don't know when they're in class. These folks take weeks and sometimes months off. Now, of course, when you're dealing with constituent concerns, you can be busy around the clock. And whatever you think of elected officials, whether they're doing a good job or a bad job, whether they deserve the job or don't deserve the job, their phone rings all the time. It's very hard for them to go out anywhere where they're recognized and not have to deal with people. So I don't want to diminish the demands on their time, but they know this. They want these jobs. We do not recruit candidates. We do not draft candidates. You put your name forward. You fight hard for it. So when you get it, don't bitch about it. But the other thing is, who listening to this podcast received a 7% raise? Hmm. Who's expecting to get a 3.5% raise every year after that? And before you answer that, how many of you get not only a free car, but a free SUV? And how many of you don't have to pay for your gas? And how many of you don't have to pay for repairs? And how many of you don't have to pay for insurance? And how many of you can hire half a dozen or more of your friends or people you know to work for you? I didn't hear anybody answer. You know why? Because none of you can say that. But every member of Detroit City Council can say that. And the difference between council members and legislators is while legislators make less money, they also get like 10 grand a year in expenses. They do have their own cars, they don't get mileage, and they can only hire really about two employees, which makes it really tough because geographically, they represent at least as many people as a city council member. And so when you're trying to serve your constituents and trying to stay on top of policy, there's way more policy and legislation that goes through the state house and goes through Detroit City Council, let me tell you that. You don't have the people to really do as good a job. So these city council jobs are pretty sweet. And the compensation is pretty good. And let me tell you, based on my understanding of what the people on city council did before they got elected to city council, these are the highest paying jobs these folks have ever had and more than likely ever could get. So it's not like they were working for poverty wages before these raises. And we do have a city that's heading to a potential problem balancing its budget when we have to start making pension payments again Instead of being worried about that, these folks were worried about getting more money for themselves. It's, it's, it's pretty staggering. Um, Dave, did any council member vote against these raises? Did any elected official, the mayor, the city clerk, go and testify before city council and say, please do not give us more money? No, it, nobody voted against it, and I'm not aware of anybody coming out and, and you know, advocating against the raise. Now, the mayor's office didn't ask for one, whereas in comparison, uh, Clerk Janice Winfrey did ask for a raise and asked for, a, to your point, a fairly sizable one. It, it wouldn't have had her salary match the mayor's office, but it would have been a very substantial raise. Uh, and so the Compensation Commission instead instituted the raise that I that I showed that 
honestly, in comparison, seemed much more reasonable than than the requested raise that that came from from Clerk Winfrey's office. I do think it's, it is worth noting too. Uh, in the fall, City Council did approve uh, new contracts with some of the the largest unions representing the, uh, police officers in Detroit, and those contracts did include both one-time raises and annual percentage raises, which is the first time in a long time um, that, well, do you that know officers the, had received. Do you know what the percent like was, so, Dave? I'm sorry. Do you know approximately what percent of a raise they yep, are? It, it was about a ten grand for for a starting officer, a ten grand initial bump. I think it went from something like forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars a year, and then four okay, percent annual increases. At, I believe it was at the start of every financial year. Good. So good. it was, you know, it came out. And if you if you look at the math and you look at the raise that like the mayor got versus the raise that the, that, uh, the police officers got, it's not apples to apples because the police officer raise goes longer, the contracts longer. Um, so in the short term, the mayor would make more. In the long term, if he got the police raise, he'd make a little bit more that way. But they did institute raises for the police officers. Police officers constitute a majority of city of city employees. But, you know, I think we've all also seen, I think it was a year or so ago, uh, where the, the city announced that they're trying to make sure that everybody who got employed by the city uh, made minimum wage. And I think to your point, ML, uh, if you look at what the average salary is, the hourly salary in Detroit, even in the Detroit metro area, which includes you know, potentially affluent communities in Oakland County and other counties, it's around fifty-nine to sixty thousand dollars, according to federal statistics. So, um, most people are not, to your point, getting seven percent raises, and many people are not getting guaranteed raises yeah. um, every year. Well, the other thing that's important, and that is good context to show that city council and the mayor are cognizant of the fact that people are underpaid. But one of the reasons why the police are getting more money is because. We are losing police officers. We train them at the academy, and when they, a fair number of them, when they graduate, they go out in the parking lot, and their suburban department is there to steal them away. We are not having trouble getting people to run for Detroit City Council. And even yeah. with these raises, our cops, who have one of the toughest jobs in the world, where they literally are putting their lives on the line every time they roll out of the station, are making half of what the Detroit City Council is making. It, it, and it, it, it's such a harder job, and, and they've been underpaid for so long. And one of the things that when you look at the Detroit police budget is they are, they are habitually understaffed. The number of positions that are approved in the budget versus the number of positions that are filled, there is a gulf there. And one of the reasons why Detroit police officers make so much in overtime is because they are forced to work because there are not enough cops. So it could be argued, and it makes sense, that if you have enough cops to do the job, when you pay them more, you actually save money because you're not paying some of them time and a half to fill in for the cops that you don't have. So paying police more actually is budget-wise. Now, I'm a columnist, so I can express some opinion, but I will tell you right now that paying city council members a dollar more than they were making before is not money well spent. And when I ran for city council, I advocated taking away their damn cars because they don't need them. And some of these council members don't have their own cars, which means when they're running to the grocery store, they're doing it on our dime. Those vehicles are only supposed to be used for city business. So, you know, city council, they're doing pretty well. But, but the point is not how much they're making. The point is that we have a commission that's supposed to make sure they're compensated fairly. And as Dave and Dana pointed out, the mayor of Detroit is going to make almost as much or more than the mayor of Chicago. It's ridiculous. That's a city of more than 2 million people. We're a city that's scraping to hold tight at $650,000. I do think the challenges in both cities are great. But again, we have no shortage of people who want to be mayor. 
it's not like you have to get you have to recruit candidates yeah. by raising the price. I mean, I gave up my job to run for city council, so I took a big loss. There are lots of other people. Lots of people want to be mayor. Yeah, and, and lots of people want to time. serve on city council. That's why we have so many people run every time. In fact, my opponent didn't have a job when she ran for city council. So whatever you're paying her is a huge raise. These so, council members do pretty well. So, Dave, in, you know, kind of in summation, I guess, um, how, how do we fix this? You mentioned Conrad Mallett kind of acknowledged there's a problem there. When you interviewed him, he said there's going to be changes made. Did he say specifically what they were? Do you, do you expect these posts uh, that Duggan appoints, do you expect them to be publicly posted so people can apply to them? I mean, wh what is some substantial change that can happen so this bullshit doesn't keep going on? Yeah, I did not get the impression that these would be posted. Um, that was not, I think the way that Mr. Mallet put it was that there's, there needs to be some sort of decorum that somebody has if they're going to, to sit on one of these. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure what correlation that has to, to posting a job, but that was the, that was the, you know, the way that he phrased it. But I do think that th what he talked about is, is essentially instituting a relatively straightforward one or two page form that everybody needs, to, would need to fill out every year after they're on an entity and potentially before during the appointment process saying that they don't believe that they're um, in violation of any sort of legal or ethical conflicts. Sounds like it'd be like a relatively broad form. And then that could potentially create this help with either the ethics entity, the ethics board having this post-action review that could sort of initiate something where like, well, they said this on a piece of paper, but we find out they have a contract or something. He said that it would essentially create a mechanism where if the mayor's office or, so or somebody else learned about some sort of ethical issues that they could use that form to essentially force that person to resign. I think a lot of this is going to come down to execution, right? Like I think everybody um, is has seen elected officials and, and high-ranking leaders promise to, to initiate reforms, and sometimes they do, and they work great, and everybody is happy with the way that works, and, and many times it does not live up to the, to the expectations. So I got the impression that this would happen sometime in the coming months, potentially in the next eight weeks or so, uh, but I think it's going to be really important for us and others to actually see what that looks like. And frankly, to see whether or not that prompts anybody to resign or to, to change, yeah. you know, from either this commission or any of the other, many other uh, appointed commissions from the mayor's office. Stay on them. Yeah. And, Stay and, on them, please. And other cities fill these boards by doing things like turning to academics who have no stake in contracts or, or politics, uh, pastors, experts, people from foundations, nonprofits, things like that. So there is another way to populate these boards that takes them one step away from the political process. But truly, the only way anything like this is going to happen is because reporters like Dave Boucher and Dana Afana find out about it, tell people about it, and please tell me that you're going to check back on these jokers in three months or six months and say, hey, Connie, where's that form? Because you said you are going to do it, and it's about time Connie. for you to, to walk through it. People call him Connie. I know, no, I know, I know Conrad. He's a nice fella. Very yeah, dapper. we're definitely going to stay on it. You know, this and, and, and frankly, other stories that we're kind of looking into uh, just with Again, this idea of this appearance of impropriety, right? Like they, these yeah. are the sort of questions that the readers want us to ask and are completely fair for our elected officials to answer. Yeah, I mean, nobody else is asking these questions. Certainly the people who are supposed to, like the ethics board, are not asking these questions. But Dave and Dana are. And when you ask these questions, you find out more things. And when you tell people, they they become informed. And it, it's so crucial that we do stories like this because nobody else is looking into it. And when you say you want to restore faith in government, when you, when you say, well, you should do it this way or not do it that way because it creates the appearance of impropriety or it could undermine faith in government, our government has had more people go to prison 
than any other government in Michigan over the last 20 years. So when you say we need to restore confidence in our elected officials, when you say that we need to avoid even the appearance of impropriety, yeah, I say amen. So, Dave, thanks Great again yeah. for coming on. Terrific work. You can support Dave, Dan, and everybody at the Free Press, even Sean, by subscribing. <laughs> we'll have a link on our website. That's mlsolvedetroit.com, uh, so you can subscribe. it. And there's an offer now where if you subscribe, it's like 10 bucks for a year, and you get a $5 Amazon gift card back. So it's only 5 bucks. And, and read Dave's other story on the Michigan Economic Development uh, oh. Corp. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's all so depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I had an editor one time tell me that I was on the debauchery beat, so that that feels appropriate. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Christ. Well, welcome home. So, Dave Boucher, <laughs> Detroit Free Press. Thanks for joining us on the Soul of Detroit. Sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Keep up the great work. Hey, Sean's still here. And oh. I have to tell you, <laughs> I I know Dave, so maybe I'm taking a liberty. He looks pretty good. Oh. I like the the green, the green chair, the green uh, fleece zip, the green plant. In the I just background. like his work. I don't, I don't even notice him or judge him on his looks. I just judge him on his work. No, the quality of his character, the content of his character is 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 par excellence. But the guy's a whole package, so we just have to acknowledge Dave, that. Dave, yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Keep 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 it all up. And uh, the next time you come in, maybe Michael ask you a question. <laughs> I, I do, yeah, there, there was one in there. I think there were one. <laughs> okay, Dave, time to go. Uh, I don't like this being outnumbered shit. Um, uh, we also need to thank uh, Carmen. It's Carmen Day here at the Soul of Detroit. Carmen's watching on Facebook. You can watch this broadcast live every week on Facebook. At, Is that two at, different Carmens? Wow. Two Carmens. That's right. You do great in the Carmen demographic. Well, you know, we got Carmen Lynn for the win and then, then Carmen L. So, you know, you can't lose the Carmens. Uh, that's fine with me. I love them. Love them both. Right, Sean? Yeah, what do you got, uh, Mark? Oh, I wanted to tell you about another great person of, of high character, and that's Luke Nowacki. We know Luke, right? We do. Great guy. He can uh, help you plan your investments, help your money make you money, right? Do you want to be in bonds? Do you want to be in stocks? 529s, where are those? No one knows. 401ks, who it's knows what those are? Especially if you're on the city council. There you go. Yeah. Oh, he would have a lot to say about that, knowing Luke. Uh, but if you have questions about your future financial goals, uh, or if you're wondering, how do I even start? I don't even know how to start. Luke Nowacki can help you um, forge a plan. It's a free consultation, 248-663-4748. And when you call Luke, he will make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. You know, the other thing about these free consultations, and they really are free, you know, it, it's amazing you sit down with somebody like Luke and you say, um, they'll ask you questions like, when do you want to retire? How much do you think you need to retire? And you really start to realize, I better get it together. I'm going to work until I die. And you do not want to do that. So please take advantage of these folks who will help you get a plan so that you don't have to die at your desk. Oh, God. That's depressing. But you look good. What if you want to work? Luke is a handsome man, Jesus. too, by the way. What if you want to work? Of course, Sean. What if you want to work? I mean, some people do. Yeah, but it's, wouldn't it be easier to, say, choose a job if the mo money didn't matter? Don't, don't, don't you want to bounce her? those grandkids on your knee instead no, you of want, saying Sean, you, Sean want the, you want the services of Luke, but some people just want to work. So then you can still have Luke, but you There's can still work. There's nothing better than financial freedom. You know? 
Yeah, you want the you want the choice. How about uh, how about work, working, Sean? How about you just volunteer? You could do that too. There you go. Because when you call Sean, he'll make it all about working or, until you die. No, or if you do important work, one eight hundred six six six. Sean, no. If you have a job that's so important, like Mike, you might want to work for a long, long time, right? Uh, Sean, uh, to paraphrase you, your job is to keep five billion people in line. <laughs> My job is to keep you in line. That's uh, that was that was funny. That's a good tweet. Oh, did he? He did tweeted he, that out. I think he, that didn't you tweet that out? Yeah. Oh, that I told him that. I did. I was like, Sean said something kind of kind of worth sharing, and then I shared it. But that job doesn't come with any compensation. A job well done just is a, its own compensation, Sean. Just, just love, I guess. Love, love. Yeah. You knock it off. Love comes. So that's good. You know who I love? Uh, David Hall and, yeah, Hall Financial. and Hall Financial. The spring buying season's here. They can help you not work too. So. How so? By taking cash out of your house? Exactly. Okay. You can take it out of your house and put it in your desk while you're working your ass (laughs) off until the friggin' Grim Reaper comes and pulls your stiff fingers off the phone. If you don't want to work forever, maybe uh, refinance your house, right? So you can pay it off when you want to pay it off, right? Yeah, of course. Pay less, live more. Is that what he would tell us these days? I don't know. I don't know what he would tell you. You should just call 866-CALL-HALL or go online to callhallfirst.com. But it is the spring buying season, and if you think this might be the right time to buy, the first call you need to make is to Hall Financial. Once again, 866-CALL-HALL. They have a ton of programs right now that can save you money off your rate. They can even help you with down payment assistance. How about that? This week, they've announced a 1% down program with up to $4,000 in forgivable down payment assistance for qualified buyers. So once again, go to uh, you can go to our website. There's a link for Hall Financial right there. Or you can just simply call 866-CALL-HALL. Make sure to tell them that we sent you and enjoy their five-star service just for our listeners. That's pretty good service. What do you think about that, you about that Sean? What's on your t-shirt? All right, great. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Stop objectifying me. No, I wanted to know what it read. I thought it said Soul of Detroit. Stop staring at my breasts. It says do it in Detroit. I thought it, I thought it but, uh, might yeah. have said Soul of Detroit. I think that was an old, wasn't that an old uh, Detroit You're city? not a company man anymore, eh? What? It's, it's all about Drew and Charlie. What are you talking about? Because I didn't wear a shirt today, a Soul of Detroit shirt? Or is he going to change his name to Charles? What makes you think it's not French? It's not Doit, Detroit. Doit. Wasn't that an old slogan for the city in the 80s? You would know. Do it in Detroit? Yeah. I don't know about that. All right, fine, whatever. I know a lot of people are doing it on Belle Isle if you went there after hours, but uh, that's which is in Detroit. So. It's just a shirt. It's just a shirt. Speaking of shirts, I, I'm, I, I want to force you. If you're watching us, I'm going to stand up. I'm wearing my uh, Sisters of Mercy t-shirt which is uh one of my favorite favorite pieces of garmentry so if that's a word yeah you're gonna judge him sean oh for not wearing solo detroit stuff yeah come on i wear it on my who's the geek of the week i wear it on my on my countenance who's the geek of the week is there there uh, can be no debate about this one oh no if you've ever been downtown oh no and stopped by cafe de mongos you know it is a a distinct iconic fantastic place where everybody comes together for good times for music for it has one of the last 
true uh, boulevardiers that runs the place. Larry DeMongo is the kind of guy that when you go into the place, you know you're in Larry's house. And Larry knows everybody and welcomes everybody. This is a place that's brimming with the personality and the character and the dynamism of the host and the namesake. DeMongo's. Larry DeMongo. Cafe DeMongo. It's all there. And it is truly... I mean, it's legal, but it's a speakeasy. It, it's sort of like a little slice of New Orleans. Is or, this the Geek of the Week or a new sponsor? Well, he's getting to the point. Okay. Or it's it's for those people who liked the rhinoceros way back when in the in the in the warehouse district. It still has that kind of eclectic vibe. It's just a fantastic place. But around four in the morning Sunday, a guy walked by wearing a T-shirt that said "Manic" on the front, stares at the front of the building picks up a lawn chair because they have nice cafe seating in front and throws it through the front window. Now, this is a place that everybody enjoys going to where everyone is welcome. And this goofball, his only thought is to throw the chair through the window. Now, you may be thinking that this is an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. He sat there and stared at the window for a long time before he threw the chair there. But the minute the chair goes through the window, he takes off running. So he did know what he was doing. And we encourage you, if you've seen this video, it's been on on the news, uh, it's on Facebook, please call the authorities because we don't want people like this ruining our downtown because things are starting to come around and we don't need geeks like this guy screwing it up so and that's why you should do it in detroit it was a city slogan 1984 coleman young introduced it and uh, religious leaders were not happy with it oh really because of the sexual connotation but Pe- people shouldn't have sex do it could be doing it in detroit do it could be building your 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 business there it could be it could be anything moving a home there it yeah. could be some city council members were not happy with it either so oh back in the day when they weren't so chummy with the mayor <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, city council is not exactly the uh, the check on the power of the mayor that it once was. But at any rate, Mr. Manic, you are our geek of the week. So let, let me see if I've got this right. Sean anti-compliment pro chair thrower through window. Is that is that if I, is that in a nutshell? Is that I think he's just anti-show. No, okay. Let All me, right, great content, Sean. Thanks. Let me tell you, if you're gonna throw listening to. a chair through a window, do not try and do it at the Kaju Cafe because the odds are you will hit somebody performing music or eating mussels and they will come out and they will go east side on your ass as uh, as K. Everett once said. Or you maybe even making a speech to the lucky patrons. <laughs> right, city council member. No, when, usually when I'm when I'm uh, when I am uh, at the Kaju Cafe either I'm sipping on some uh, some fine libations or maybe tasting some of the delicious comestibles that are available until midnight at one of the latest kitchens on the east side open till midnight Why every night say but Sunday. <laughs> libations <laughs> until, until it's 10 o'clock the, the worst part of sean is how much he loves it <laughs> he loves I'm it i'm just he waiting for it. sean sean's sitting there you go um are you kind of anonymous when you're there a what 
No, I just mean his usage of words. No, I understand I that, love, but I'm I just saying when you, you guys, when you go in there, are you anonymous or do you do you not try to hide your Mike Elwickness? When I go in there, I'm just just another face in a very dynamic crowd. So People you don't have, demand special privileges or anything like that. You I just demand. Oh, that's not him at all. <laughs> I demand nothing. I uh, I sit down. I very politely order from their uh, fantastic menu or from the many wonderful beverages on tap sometimes i order a, a mixed drink does the staff know you some of them do some of them don't that must feel good we're just all people yeah do you have a gavel so you can hold court not me not me you don't hold court at a bar i can see you holding court at a bar no, not you me. stand up when you uh when you drink there what? No. well just to make it easier to project <laughs> I'm just there to enjoy the all-you-can-eat muscles on Monday. Sometimes I go to listen to the open jam on Monday and karaoke every Wednesday. You may see me stand up for karaoke, but only to applaud because I can't carry a tune. And I really admire those who can. Um, Speaking of tunes. Oh, uh, Yeah, speaking of tunes, um, this uh, this Thursday, the Blue Cats, Blues Cats, are presented by the Blues Detroit Blues Society. On Friday, the Reefer Men will be playing... Saturday is the Dick Kroll Band, and on Sunday, it's Eric Goebel's Sunday Fun Day Jam. Oh, you got it right. Along with Delta Five. You're so yes. proud of yourself. Fantastic. It's the first time you've gotten that right. It's only taken me a month. But <laughs> if you want to know about what's on the menu and who's playing live, go to caducafe.com. That's C-A-D-I-E-U-X-C-A-F-E.com. You may see me sitting there quietly enjoying the the many wonderful things going on around me and waiting for Sean to show up just so that that he can berate me because because he's, he's a bully. He's because he's 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 won the Pulitzer Prize for criticism, but in a very narrow category. Criticism of people who only like to help people. It's kind of a dick category they just instituted this year, but it's all his. It's all his. So that's uh, that's shot. So, anyways, I want to tell you a little bit about how you can save some money on some great music. Starting tomorrow. Live Nation Ticketmaster is having $25 concert tickets. No surcharges, which is unbelievable with these jokers. They try and suck the marrow out of the bone after they've sucked the blood out of the body. But you can get $25 tickets all in for selected concerts. If you go on today, that starts for the general public tomorrow, but if you are a member of Rakuten, which used to be Ebates, you can get in today and snag some of these tickets. I will put a link on our website for you to join Rakuten and get in on some of these tickets. And the reason why I'm so excited is because one of the bands that I, I don't understand why they're selling $25 tickets for these guys. They're, they're fantastic. They never toured. They're almost never in America. But the Sisters of Mercy will be at the Fillmore on June 5th. Now, I bought my tickets as soon as they went on sale months ago. I can't wait to go. I am hoping, I'm reaching out to anybody who can help me connect with Andrew Eldritch, the lead singer, no relation, who we would love to have on the show to talk about the Sisters of Mercy. They are one of the great, great bands of the 80s and early 90s. Fantastic. And after this little ditty from the early 80s, Dancing on Glass, we'll tell you why the Sisters of Mercy is an act you want to see. Still time. And when you see them, you'll see me there standing up. Still time. And dancing. Terrible post. I'm glass. Just awful. Like the Sisters of Mercy. And the Soul of Detroit. <laughs> Still too much done here. Did I mention? 
a hard out on dance on glass one of the uh, one of the things that makes it such a distinctive tune in addition to andrew eldrich's amazing baritone this guy is one of the greatest greatest songsmiths and performers of all time and one of the more unusual characters so the sisters of mercy they're not a Manchester band. They're not a London band. I believe they're from Leeds, which so, is... So the Sisters of Mercy are from Leeds. That's a good way to start. 
So you want me to lead with leads? I love how you're editing him now. Yeah. But can I just make one minor uh, point here? You're going so, to anyway. Stop asking. So you're... Yes, you're it, it would be unusual for you to make a major point. <laughs> it's, but it's, minor it, points, say, that's a forte. That's just, a specialty. Just, the, most, the most adorable crutch I've ever heard in broadcasting is from you, Sean Windsor, who will say, ask for permission... Because it's not my say, show. But it is. So, but it is. But, uh, but no, 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 it's not, it's, it's not it's, my show. You don't do it knowingly. It's a crutch, and it's really kind of no, it's I, kind I of endearing in a way. Uh, it's say, just my way of uh, may I politely enter, no, I enter, enter this space. That's what I mean. It's so, like so cute, Mike. There's a little food for thought here. All right, Boy. you're wearing a t-shirt, Sisters of Mercy, and then the way you're speaking about the lead singer and this band, there's a lot of admiration. I am wearing. The soul of Detroit. And nothing but derision from you, sir. With the ML. So that should show where my true feelings are. They are from Leeds. What else about What comes out of my mouth in this studio is just banter. It's uh, it's fun. It's meant to, uh, you know, help you get your head down into this space. I told you, you know he'd, what I mean? come, he'd come to life after uh, we're not on YouTube and Facebook. Really? Yeah, you always do. Oh, okay. Always after. That's fine. Or just that I finally, I'll take any I life I can get out but of I you, even if it's you to, by my own hands. Just to keep that in mind, what am I wearing, Mike? Right. So think about how you feel about the Sisters of Mercy. That's how I feel about you. There's nothing but a blank look on everything face else. Now. Everything else is just it's just fodder for the for the crowd. You know what I mean? So you say. Yeah. You want to see him get even more bummed out? So you say. What? I've never heard of the Sisters of Mercy. So tell me about them. I know. Look at his face. I've never heard him. Okay, so so Andrew Eldridge, kind of a one man band that that builds a band around him. He performs the music and like then a Trent he, Reznor. He kind of, kind okay. of. Um, in well, fact, more like a prince. He, he plays um, all his own instruments. He used to do the drums, but then he got a drum machine that they call Doctor Avalanche, and he also the fact got, that you know that is, is uh, I, that's cool. He also got uh, one of the most amazing goth uh vixens of all time patricia morrison to play bass uh she's from some some truly legitimate righteous uh punk gothy bands and then she played with the sister of mercy for a while during kind of their heyday when this corrosion came out which we played on this show before i mean just a fantastic visually um there's uh there's a video with both patricia morrison and andrew eldritch in it where he's wearing white and it's got one of the greatest youtube comments of all time on it where he says andrew eldritch is so goth he can wear white, white. <laughs> you know, but he objects to this whole thing of being seen as this dour, uh, like heavy metal figure. He says when he's on stage, usually is white or yellow. It's not always black, although in the video, there's a lot of black leather and everything. But one of the one of the things about him that I think is so right on that people don't get came out of his own mouth where he said, the record company doesn't understand me. They keep trying to take make me Ozzy Osbourne when I'm really Michael Stipe. Okay. I'm this groundbreaking songsmith, really, you know, creative type and and I'm not I'm not to be pigeonholed or to be stereotyped. And one of the distinctive parts of the Sisters of Mercy career is fighting with the record label. And in fact, as of the late 90s, there's been no new music to come from the Sisters of Mercy, although I'm, I'm told they play some new stuff live, which I'm looking forward to seeing at June 5th. So please join me at are the Fillmore. St- are they stuck in a contract? 
you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, he's just, he's kind of a, he's kind of a hard case and he's got some very firmly held beliefs and a bit of an iconoclast. And, and he, he says he likes to weigh in on politics. He thinks that if you are a living, breathing person, you, you need to be heard. And one of the great albums that came out in the 90s was basically an extended commentary on, on George Bush, uh, one of the great songs, the album's vision thing. And it talks about, um, about his feeling about, uh, you know, a new world order and all these other things. I mean, just a really brilliant guy, uh, great musician, fantastic pipes. The, the, the music is, the, the lyrics are par excellence, but we are going to be playing a lot of Sisters of Mercy this month because we definitely On this want show? to send a message that Andrew Eldridge, welcome to Detroit. One of the, the Riviera. One of the great, one of the great rock images is the Sisters of Mercy outside the Burlesque Theater on Woodward back in the late 70s, early 80s. So we're going to do something with that before the month is up. And we're going to play some stuff where you see, you'll hear him play with some people that might surprise you. Hmm. Um, well, and, and just a quick reading about him. One of his biggest influences is Leonard Cohen, which doesn't really seem to match up in my mind very well. Really? But, yeah, but well, I guess, listen I, to Hallelujah. Ugh. But I guess um, they were named after uh, Leonard Cohen's song too. Okay. Well, they, they both have that, that great sonorous voice and they both have some fairly deep lyrics. That's yeah. I mean, is. they're very thoughtful and, and very, um, very, uh, um, do you like Leonard Cohen? Oh yeah. I saw Leonard Cohen, uh, at the Fox. Um, I think it was his last tour. The show went on forever. It went on for like three or three and a half hours. That's pretty rich. I think he's too deep for me. I just don't get it. Oh, well, I mean, Hallelujah obviously is a very, you know, kind of pendulous song, but some of his other stuff is, you know, first we take Manhattan, then we'll take Berlin. I mean, he's great, man. And so we've got comestible, comestible, and we've got uh, pendulous. <laughs> ponderous, man, ponderous. But um, the show went on so long. I thought you were referring to something else when you said pendulous. That I, I turned to Treese and I said, you know, I can't believe it. I, I've waited so long to see Leonard Cohen, but now I wish you would wrap it up. And she said, well, we can just leave. And I said, there's no way I'm going to call it a night before an 80-year-old junkie there's no way I'm going to be outlasted by Leonard so Cohen. So suffer out of some sense of weird pride? A lot of Leonard Cohen's music is about suffering. There's a lot of art that comes from suffering. There's a lot of podcasts that involve suffering, and I can speak to that personally, and so can our listeners. And but, uh, I, so can I. But so if you have a favorite Sisters of Mercy song, it can be a deep track, it can be one of the well-known tunes, Send us a note at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com and let us know what you'd like to hear because we are going to do everything we can to try and get Andrew Eldridge to come on this show and talk about what it's like to be Andrew Eldridge, which seems pretty cool. No relation to me, no relation to, to our, our, our CEO, Mark. Drew, <laughs> Mark. Andrew Aldrich. Did no, you not no find relation. that fun that he said that the show went on forever? I spaced out because he's talking forever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's Cadu Cafe. Poor, poor ML. And uh, yeah. So um, to accelerate things, because Sean is always in a hurry to do anything but get here, um, we have no donors to thank this week. So that's, uh, that's unfortunate. But if you would like to break this streak and send us a few shekels, you can do so by going to our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com. Little donate button right at the top over to the right. Just click on it, it'll open up your PayPal, and then you can dump everything in there. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. 
Uh, only one piece of feedback this week. Um, and it's from Dan Levy, who sent a somewhat obsequious email last week, who has taken ass-kissing to the next level. Uh, he says, Good morning. You are a self-made Pulitzer Prize winner, and Sean is a brilliant self-made sports columnist. You guys batting 500. Are you, is that actually, are you actually reading that for real? I am indeed, <laughs> and I would have given it to you, but I knew you wouldn't read the first part. You'd be like, I, I it says some shit part. about you, and it says some stuff about me, but it's not true. It's not true. I'm just. Gonna... Did you ask Mark why he put his hoodie or sweatshirt on? Are you cold, just, or are you I'm trying to keep me from oogling your chest? Both. Well, I thought the show was That's going too up, long. Stop undressing me with your eyes. Hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> we went from can we get out of here to RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, I wasn't looking to go anywhere. I just wanted to hear Mark. Hang on, Mr. Paul. Mr. Levy says, why has nobody in this town exposed spoiled brat masked Ishbia's completely fake biography? To hear this Nepo baby Babylon about his basketball career and when I won a championship playing for Izzo is such a farce! He was not even an All-State Honorable Mention player in high school. I don't even think he was the best player at Seaholm. He never saw the floor at State because he didn't deserve to be on the team. His rich dad became a booster and traveled with the Spartans. His business acumen is also fake. He did not build or run any company. His Entrepreneur of the Year dad did. He did not become CEO when he was 23 and turned 12 employees into 10,000. This is all make-believe. The same rich entrepreneur dad who let him create this fake business guru resume is the same dad who was sponsoring his son's AAU team full of recruited ringers 30 years ago. <laughs> I'd love to ignore There's all There's the of real this, rage right there. But this douchebag is constantly thrown in our faces. This week, by inserting himself into an NBA playoff game and muscling MSU decisions like Mel Tucker's idiotic contract, we are on the hook for and attacking Dan Gilbert the week his son was dying of complications. Pure class. There's no there there. Matt Ishbia is a born on third idiot prick. Best. And is signed. Oh my goodness. Not a rocket employee. So he probably wanted uh, Jokic, Nikola Jokic, the fabulous center for the Denver Nuggets who spilled into the crowd chasing after a loose ball and who elbowed or shoved Ishbia, Matt Ishbia. He probably wanted him to really oh, elbow yeah. him, right? Like well, deck I, it. First off, I think he barely touched Ishbia. He that did. It was a total flop. Ishbia flopped. Ishbia, that's what's funny about um, Dan's letter. There's some stuff in there I, I agree with, some I, I, I don't agree with, but I totally agree with him being thrown in our face a lot right now because of the Mel Tucker thing, because of buying the Phoenix Suns. Um, and just by how huge um, uh, UWM is um, in this area, so I'm I'm kind of sick of him. Um, but he did. Plus, seem you to hate put, the Spartans. I don't, I don't. But you know what? I don't care. I, I hate the Spartans because I'm a Michigan fan. But I don't care about. I, I have no problem with Izzo. I have no problem with with Matt being a walk on up there. You know. But yeah, he wasn't a superstar. He barely played. Um, he was he was his era's Stephen Izzo. When I, he's in a game, yeah, the game is yeah. over. He's but, the but Matt I thought, it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. The the AAU team full of ringers, that's kind of funny. Well, that's, yeah. So that's really what that's probably what gnaws at him more than him or knew someone. Yeah, more I, than anything else. That was a nice note, by the way. Right. And speaking of nepo babies, did we not just see the biggest nepo baby in the world get coronated? Oh, oh King Charles. King Charles. Yeah, yeah. He's great. 
Loved and, every and, second of it because I knew it bothered you. Who the hell picks Charles the Third after the first two guys were beheaded or run out of town on a rail? Did I just that, don't get did, that. Mike, times the charm. Mike, you're a man of the people, and you uh, the write the write the way you write and go after the figures you do. I'm very worried about what he's going to say next. Would you? Would did you think that what happened last week that display is maybe a little bit out of touch with with where we're at? Yeah, totally. So what? Yeah, well, uh, it, so I, I posted something on Twitter at Elric on Twitter, where I said that when Charles and Diana got married, my grandmother told me that she had an Irish cousin who was so mad about all the hype that she was worried he was going to go out and blow up an Arthur Treacher's, mm. which is the famous fish and chip shop and very English. But I, I kind of, I didn't pay attention to Chuck and Die back then. Let me, let me ask you so this, Sean. Chuck getting a new hat, who cares? The you know, way... Um, the way they elect a pope, do you have a problem with that? Well, the Catholic Church is presumably raising its own money. That that's that's why I would make the distinction. The most well, wait I, a sec, wait a sec. First off, we've talked about this before. The royal family, they're mascots, I'll admit that, but they bring in more money than they are put out. Do they own a lot of real estate? Yep. Is that being uh bequeathed and passed down? Yep, but they bring in more money than than, than what their government but, spends on. But them. that's what hotels and restaurants and all that and so on and so forth yeah tourism but there's still um there's still it's still a form of kind of a welfare there's not there's anything wrong with welfare but at that level right wearing a where driving in a gold-plated carriage but they're that's what gets people the most interesting thing that i heard i'm curious what you guys think about this uh, about the coronation and what they represent and what the market represents in this time right now is that they are they are a, f- a filler they are a receptacle they are in some ways even a distraction in a country that's fairly progressive that what they represent is religion in a way right so there's an institution that is um religious in nature because the king is the, the He's the head of the church. Right. The touch, church. touch, literally touch from God. And the coronation is so it the gives, religious ceremony. It gives a lot of people who are religious in that country a place to put those, uh, to put their faith and to put those ideals and to think that the society is okay because we have this institution. Meanwhile, the actual government can go on about the business and not have to worry about any kind of overlap between church and state. I don't know how true that is, but I saw a few English people writing about that, and I thought that's a really interesting way to think about it. Well, he's the he's the head of state, right? The mascot, but he's also like ML just said, the head of the church. So there is going to be a lot of pomp and but nothing to but, but nothing to like here. We overlap a whole heck of a lot more, right? So it gives well, folks that feel that way in that country a place to to put I, that and not then interfere in the business of government running things to force that religion on the people that don't want it. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, that's, it's that's, an interesting way to think really, about it. It's a really deep way to think about it. You know, you know who who kind of put it in perspective in a really interesting way for me was Donald Trump when he said, "Hey, this is something that the people of England like, and they all rally around it despite their political differences." We However, don't, we don't have anything like that. But yet. more and more people don't, right? I mean, used, you saw pro- to, there were protesters there, right? And I know sure, they were probably in the mi- minority they're, by and far. They're in a vast minority unless you look at the Some got the, locked the, up. The, the last yeah, poll right. I saw is that more people under 30 now don't believe in the monarchy. Sure. And the percentage of just overall the country is getting up into the 40s. So we used we used to... It eventually will get there. I mean, we used right? to feel that way about our founding fathers here, right? They're not... They're not perfect by any measure of anything. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of issues with some of the founding fathers owning but, slaves. Yeah, yeah, that's ma- that's the major one. Um, but Lincoln is not a founding father, but you know he had some issues too. But it used to be like, oh, the good of these people. This is kind of what we rally around because they've built the shape of this country. Oh, we rally around them. I think we. Oh, rallied. I don't think we do anymore. No, the, we used to rally around movie stars too, right? Yeah, which was a mistake. We we don't so much anymore. It's the, it's the myth of it, and the problem is in England that myth is still alive. And it's bequeathed, it's passed down. And, but it's changing by the decade. You know, the the story that I saw the other day, the the the, the people that want the monarchy gone now is up, I think, in the 40%. Yeah, and it's over you. 50 among younger people. So you just... It's not going anywhere. Oh, but that's a huge change from where it was to, even, even 10 the, years ago, especially 20 years it's ago. It's not going anywhere because the Church of England. Right, ML? Hi. You still with us? No, I, I in think... In terms of the government funding it, yeah. I mean, that's what's at stake. And then if they want to be on their own and be a pretend monarchy, then that's fine. But the government funding is the issue. So you don't want them to be head of state anymore, just the head of the church? Yeah, if they if it wants to be, if it's like the Catholic Church, that's fine. Okay. Then it's not intertwined at all with the government, to me. I, I think yeah, I think the Catholic Church is one of the more influential political entities in the country as well. They didn't uh, really yeah. get their way on the. Well, no, that's issue, true. And they, 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 a lot of countries, not just here. the church. Well, oh, you're talking about the Catholic Church there? No, no, no. 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 Here, here. I mean, yeah. the Catholic Church is a pretty powerful political faction. Um, here it is. Yeah, not as powerful as it probably used to be. But um, but the reason I brought that up was because what you saw on Saturday is mainly a church. Yes, yeah, like the Pope ceremony. Exactly. No, well, no, no question. So, did you watch it, Mark? I had it on. I just sped, you know, I taped it because no, who, who the hell is going to get up at five a.m. Uh, and sped through a lot of it. I I find it interesting, but Wait. I find all those cultural type things. Was there? A, was I'd there rather a, watch a Disney movie. Was there a moment when when uh, King Charles the Third was was basically hidden behind? Um, yes. Like a, okay, so so my pastor, Father Tim Pelk, on Sunday was talking about that, and he said the reason that that's done that way is because it is a religious ceremony and that when when Elizabeth who was basically 21 years old had it done the monarch is essentially disrobed yeah. and covered in oil and chrism and that it's a like not a just like mm-hmm. just not like the cross is made on your forehead like really they slathered on there big time. Yeah. And she was very modest. And, you know, who wants to get taken down to their brassiere in front of a whole nation and brassiere. get covered with oil? And so he said he was kind of surprised that, that Charles did it too, because that was something that was only done for Elizabeth. And that was a break with tradition. And he was wondering whether that would happen. All of which just made me think about it really is a religious ceremony where there's the anointing oil and everything. Yeah. Well, so th- this is what I learned, and that, that's interesting you bring it up because the first time, I think it's because it's televised now, right? This is this only the second one that's been televised, so they're not going to show them stripped down. But he took off all his fancy, fompish robes and went behind that partition where they did all that yeah. and then got the robes back on and, and came back out. But it's, the whole ritual of it is is when she died, when Elizabeth died, and I guess I didn't see the... the um, funeral and ceremony but they take the hat the hat <laughs> they take the crown they take the scepters and the orbs and they literally place them back on the altar as a return to god 
and then it stays no, there there's until no, what happens. Well, there's there. no question. That sorry, was, you hate it, Sean. No, no, no. But there's, there's no question that was the story that was sold however many thousands of years ago, right? I mean, but, but human beings like ritual in stories. No, but you have to say, hey, we have all this stuff over here because God said so. This is how it's going to be. So that's the story, and that's old, and that's that's just it. It is what it is. But in terms of the the new king. What I read a really interesting, I want to say it was a column, maybe it was a story in the Post the other day about how uh, in to his forties he traveled with the teddy bear. Oh yeah, no, he's a weirdo. And that um, Charles is a total. Weirdo. I don't know. That, that doesn't he also man. travel with his own toilet, Ex- his own toilet, toilet seat. seat. Yes, I so, think he would call it a throne. And the, and the writer, <laughs> the writer made the interesting distinction. I don't think that makes him a widow as much as just he's stunned, right? I mean, he's so on the one hand he's a boy and he was traveling yeah. with his teddy bear. On the other hand, he's taking his toilet seat because he does feel above and doesn't yeah. feel like he can share the same seat with another human being i got news for you he is just by luck by being born because he's born super wealthy and that made me almost that made me feel feel for him a little bit the fact that he oh, takes those two things I that that's feel, I feel no 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 it's, it, a, it's it, a gilded cage he no he doesn't in. seem I mean, he didn't know him comfortable no, he's, but in, he's, in his well, skin, he doesn't seem right. And if you're taking a teddy bear in a toilet breath. seat, that mean, there's some torture going on there to some degree, some internal torture if you're taking those two things with you in your just, 40s. I, he just doesn't live a real life. He's never lived a But that's the point. And there's, no, a, and there's a price with that I, I, of peace. I, I feel no of self-awareness, of self-knowledge. I mean, I fine, he gets to dress in this and eat and fly around, whatever. Uh, I, I don't put as much stock into those things. I mean, as long as, you know, I don't know. I just don't. You want some kind of internal uh, solace, some uh, some some self acceptance, some if, understanding of who you are. No, isn't that, no, isn't that on some I'm level sure what does. most of us want by the time we get to a certain age? Yeah, I'm sure. So on Sunday, the New York after Times, food and shelter and so forth. Yeah, the, the New York doubt. Times had a story about the the. Uh, the youngest male descendant of the Habsburg Empire that used to mm-hmm. rule the Austro-Hungary mm-hmm. Imperial, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he sounds a lot happier than the English royal family. I mean, he has no power. He, until, like, the, they renounced all claims on the throne, the family could not even return to Austria. They're back there now. They kind of fiddle around in politics and charities and stuff like that. But he races cars, and he seems like he's way happier than any member of the English royal family, which is actually really the German royal family, because mm-hmm. if you know anything about their family history, World War I basically involved three cousins, the Tsar of Russia, the Kaiser in Germany, and the King of England, who are all grandsons of Queen Victoria. That's how messed up this whole system is. I- I'm with... I'm with Monty Python, Holy Grail. How do we have it that, you know, we're going to decide who the monarch is because some some watery tart sure. throws a sword at somebody? That doesn't make sense to me. But I would much rather be me than King Charles because that gig seems like it blows. Well, that's that's what I was just saying. Right? Even though he's, even though it sounds like he's sitting on a billion and a half dollars. Which, rather, I was just saying, I but what's it got him? What's it got him? Uh, but, that, but that could be an individual thing. I, uh, MBS looks pretty happy in Saudi Arabia. And he actually has political power. Are you just saying that so he doesn't cut your head off? <laughs> I don't like the guy at all. He's a murderer. Well, no, he's a, yeah, but he's an authoritarian. He seems fine. Authoritarian sociopath. He right? seems yeah, but that's because of the power that they have there. Know, he's well, got, I he's mean, got twenty wives. How can a man with twenty wives truly be happy or no peace? I agree with you there. So, I just, right, Sean? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! I don't know. I mean, 
So um, to get back to Dan's point, um, Sean, oh, yeah. what, what do you know about what do you know about Matt Ishbia's? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. That's how it started. Basketball. Oh, I just career. want to let him. Is he a uh, happy man? I don't was know. he? Was he? A I good, don't know him at all. But have you written about his his basketball journey or his business? I mean, no, he, because he kind of predated. Uh, he pre his time there predated uh, predated me, and I just you know I don't okay. know. But I I, I I do think it's fair to say that. Oh, oh, wholesale mortgage Tuckum. is way wrote, bigger than it was when he started there. Yeah, yeah did, no, for sure. Grow it, grow Who gets it. the credit for that? I don't know, but that thing is a friggin' behemoth. Well, it's the same argument some people make about Elon Musk, right? I mean, he he has grown an awful lot of things, but he started off with a fairly big pot, so it happens yeah. a lot. It does. Yeah, but I see a lot of Teslas out there. So he, he I've also seen people exactly. I've seen people take over uh, family businesses and run them into the ground. No, for sure. So the sure. so I think there's well, and probably Trump. Some- Trump, you know, he started out a millionaire, but he, I mean, at least on paper, he turned it into a billionaire. Whatever you think about him, I mean, he started he, out with a lot a, more than a million. He but, had a uh, hell of a head start, but it's a much bigger empire now than it was uh, when Fred Drumpf started it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, is it heavily subsidized by public? Uh, money, by the way. But, yeah, it is, and a lot it of grift. Was. It was a lot of grifto. But um, but anyway, um, so okay, so so Dan, I guess we can't we can't independently comment on on Matt Ishbia's basketball prowess or how he got in the proximity of uh, Tom Tom Izzo. But um, next time a ball goes into the stands, don't hold on to it. Give it back to the official. Because that's really what yeah, started. I'm sure, it, I'm sure he was put on the team. Yeah, but Izzo taught these guys tough no, defense. Talking, you got to rebound. That's just the training kicking in, man. I'm talking about the other night when when Jokic went out. It's because Ishbi was holding out of the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hugging it. And Jokic wanted it back. By the way, nobody cares. But that's the best. That's the most fun series we have right now. Oh, Nuggets, Nuggets, Suns. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. As for uh, the Although timing of Matt Ishbia's story about Celtic Sixers, I don't like Dan Gilbert, and Dan Gilbert doesn't like me coming out just before Dan Gilbert's son that's just, died. That's just unlucky. Tragically, timing. at twenty six, that's bad luck. I mean, yeah. when I heard that Jeffrey Figer was suing his insurance company because uh, because he he wasn't healthy enough to practice law, and of course he's practicing law, I thought. Well, I think I'm going to write a column about Jeff Figer's filing a lawsuit claiming to be sick, and it sounds like bullshit. Well, then the man has a stroke, and you realize, boy, I'm glad I didn't write that column uh, when I was planning to write it because, uh, you know, you look kind of mean, even though all you're doing is reporting on facts, and then circumstances make it look like you're taking some sort of glee in somebody's uh, downfall. Which... And, he, and he was asked, wasn't he asked about the the battle with Gilbert? And he just, I think he simply said, I don't like him and he doesn't like me. Yeah. And I didn't read that story just because I kind of know that that's how they feel about yeah. each other. I mean, Ishbi has gone after a big piece of Rocket Mortgage's business. And and uh, and I know that it's kind of one of those things where Dan Gilbert doesn't really talk publicly. He just kind of yeah, does exactly. his thing. Matt Ishbi is more of a out there type of guy. Maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But um, but yeah, he I think he enjoys the spotlight. Well, some of them do. Mark Cuban does, for example, right? Yeah. Tom oh, Gores does not. God. Mark, do you combine the Monster Energy Drink with the coffee? Uh, in, in my belly, I do. Do I'm you not, do you alternate goes, swigs? Goes to t- I'm Mazaway. Yeah, I have been. I feel like I'm. Being, I feel like I'm being judged. No, by I just I, I could probably use no no no. I could probably use some of that. I, I need a little something to get which, me going. Which one? So I, no, I got, just some combination of something to get me going. Caffeine, lots and lots of caffeine. Yeah. Cocaine. Is that ghost, ghost pepper? <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story about a phone call I got yesterday. Is that it's, ghost pepper? It's from a yeah, number. I'm sure it's hilarious. It's from a number I didn't <laughs> recognize. 
And so I answered anyway. I don't know why I was expecting somebody to call. So I thought, let me check it out. And it was a guy saying like, hey, um, uh, I'm with the Detroit Lions Media Guide. Uh, would you have any interest in what? being included in the Media Guide? And I thought, oh, ML Solo Detroit in the Media Guide. I guess we really have arrived. And I Sounds thought, like a scam. Well, I thought how ironic that they'd want to put us in the Media Guide when I'm a big Lions skeptic. And then it occurred to me, oh, wait, he's selling ads in the oh, media guide. Oh, man. And I said, well, you know, uh, we'd be up for being included. So, well, you get free tickets with it. And I said, okay, we don't really have a budget to advertise. But, but I said, tell me how much it would cost. And he said, a 16th of a page ad would cost $1,300. And I said, what? I said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, but, but, but how many tickets do you get for that? Just in case. Because, you know, who knows? The way lines are going, maybe some prime, ticket, prime tickets would be worth 1300 bucks. No tickets for that. You got to go to the eighth of a page ad. Then you get two lower level tickets. And I said, if you bought advertising in our podcast that would equal the amount of money you want for me to buy an ad in your book, we would do it. And he said, hey, I really appreciate your time this morning. So that was it. So I got to say, if there's one thing NFL teams need, it's more money. Yeah, we came. Selling ads in the media? We came, oh, we came real close to getting in there. So that didn't happen. But um, but please uh, check out our website. We'll save you some money on some concert tickets. Uh, you can find out uh, about the latest on what's going on in Lansing with the um, the uh, I call them Lansing Four. I debated what oh, to call yeah. these four folks who are in trouble, who have pleaded guilty to being involved in public corruption, basically trying to pay bribes to get ma- medical marijuana licenses. Um, and I think I should have called them the Lansing Buds. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. It's going to be more than four, and that's basically what my column says, that the way these guys pleaded guilty and the way this case is moving forward indicates very strongly that they are going to be trying to give other people up, and so we may have yet another opportunity to find out just how bad the public corruption is in our state capital. So you can find a link to that column on our website, which is ML Soul of Detroit. Dot com and uh, and there'll, there'll be a link to my last column trying to get the media back into um, into city hall. I've been going on a bit of a, a campaign, a crusade, if you will, appearing on various media to talk about how important it is to have reporters back on the 11th and the 13th floor. You look purple, by the way. So um, it's it's is that black light? It's royal, royal purple. Um, so we will uh, we'll have those links on our website. So please check that out. You're like a child. Put a shiny thing in front of you, and you have to comment on it. No, the, nobody the, knows what you're talking about. And we're also going to put something <laughs> on my Twitter feed that's, that's at Elric, asking you: Would you, you pay to royalty? watch this show? Would you become a Patreon, a patron of this show by making a regular contribution to either Sean watch wouldn't. the live broadcast, to have experiences with the show, to have additional content? Because we're thinking of putting a once a month special episode together just for our sponsors. So watch for that Patreon poll on Twitter. We really want to know what you think about that. Will it be worded fairly, like the last poll? Oh, wow, that is eating at him, man. We are going to ask. No, I just thought of that. That just just made me think of it. I had not been thinking about it all show like Mike had been thinking about it all week. All I said, Sean, and thank you for following all the show's content on our many formats and different mediums, was listen to this week's show and say, do you agree with Sean or do you agree with ML and Mark? It didn't say what the topic was. It didn't say whether you know people or don't know people. It just said, 
please listen and then vote. And I do, I do disagree with your contention that you can say things about somebody's appearance to somebody you know because you may know people who are terribly offended by that. So if right, you and then you wouldn't, and then you wouldn't say it. But you wouldn't know that because your whole point is people may smile and say thank you, but you don't know what they're feeling inside. If so you really, don't know the people, yeah, you shouldn't. For sure. You shouldn't. You should not compliment anybody. Not really a problem in my case, but you should not compliment anybody because you no, it's it's obviously you don't know when it's a problem, but that's not surprising either. Is that a compliment? Um, so, um, me. to lighten things up and to shift to a much more fascinating topic. Why are you blacklit? Dare say. For the yeah. listeners that, that cannot see you, it's, it's kind of cool. Because actually. I'm getting the ready. The screen I'm, this in is front my, of him has turned blue, so it's reflecting that, it, awesome. it that way. These are you my, look like a god in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like these it. are my goth roots. I'm getting ready for the Sisters of Mercy. The only thing that's not glowing are my teeth. Please, Sean, tell me what amazing thing will be on the Carlos and Sean <laughs> that podcast. kind of tone is just <laughs> Well, lovely. come on. Last time he did it, you shit all over your own show. <laughs> that kind of tone is just fantastic. <laughs> well, Carlos isn't going to be true to himself because I know what's in his soul. But no, Carlos is uh, is out of town this week, and so Mark Fellhauer is probably going to join me. What? I am? When? Uh, tomorrow. Wow, we're breaking oh, news I here at the my soul of Detroit news that Mark and Mark and Drew. I will check my schedule. Mark and Drew were supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago, and at the last minute, something came up—a kitty thing, mm. right? Wasn't it a kiddo thing? Yeah, I was working on a. Um, I was doing a play. A, no, I was doing a recess duty at my daughter's school. Okay, there you go. What a blast that is! And well, no, but it's more fun in my podcast, so I don't, actually, blame, I don't blame you. What Mark told me was what came up was at the last minute he realized it was the Carlos and Sean podcast. <laughs> so I scheduled recess. Yeah, he's like, oh, wait a minute. There's not even going to be Carlos there? It's like, oh, yeah, I've got to get my colonoscopy and just schedule it. They said a break in the calendar. No, we'll have a nice uh, surprise guest. Maybe it'll be me. It might be Mark. Nobody knows, including Nobody myself. Knows. Nobody knows. You know, every time I ask Sean about the Carlos and Sean podcast, I feel like I'm talking to my journalism class saying, who read this week's assignment? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, we, uh, we got to, we're going to have a, we're going to do, we're going to, and, uh, Carlos ate it. Yeah. And how, how's everything going at the free press? Uh, let's talk about your work. I'm like, oh, of course I'm fascinated. Talk Sean about my life. Sean coming so. here. No, you hate coming here? I like coming here. Okay, great. I like coming here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hate to end with a lie, <laughs> but uh, Carlos, uh, I mean, Carlos. I don't like the commute, but I but I like being here once I'm here. It's like, no, it's it's like sh it shows. It's like when you're writing. Well, the commute's a pain because there's 696 is torn up. The uh, It's like when you, I, I don't like writing at all, but I love having written. And it's the same thing. I don't like getting over here, but uh, but I like being here. So would you say that you're the monarch of great written? No, I'm not the monarch of anything. I'm just merely one of your subjects. Would you say you're a monarch butterfly or a moth? And I'm curious, the, the, if you were in the monarchy, would you have to shave that 30 years of growth? I would have my valet or my valet shave me. I mean, that okay, so you would have somebody else shave you. And I would have a Batman because that's the origin of the term. Those were the those were the manservants could of you people in, uh, in England. Could you sit still long enough without so you didn't get caught? That would be my worry. Uh, you mean the same way I'm cut by your your sharp commentary? Or would you be just talking so much you'd just end up with, you know? Is that why you don't shave, by the way? A razor is a dangerous tool. What are you uh, talking about? For Cyrus, a guy who I, wants the show to wrap up, you seem I, to always make it longer, longer, and longer. I would have thought Cyrus had 
would have just inserted yeah. himself yeah. in the conversation yeah. by this point. Yeah, bring in, bring in Cyrus. So confused. Cyrus, yeah. take Sean out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? ML Elric. Mark Fellower. Are you okay? Brain freeze. Sean Windsor. I don't want anything to do with you, you little warthog. You had me at Get Lost. In the comedy, ML Soul of Detroit. What in the 